0: Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. I want to begin by reading from Isaiah chapter 55 and feel free to read along with me there on the screen. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Obviously, Isaiah was not a Baptist. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? LISTEN TO ME, AND YOU WILL EAT WHAT IS GOOD. YOU WILL ENJOY THE FINEST FOOD. COME TO ME WITH YOUR EARS WIDE OPEN. LISTEN, AND YOU WILL FIND LIFE. I WILL MAKE AN EVERLASTING COVENANT WITH YOU. I WILL GIVE YOU ALL THE UNFAILING LOVE I PROMISED TO DAVID. SEE HOW I USED TO DISPLAY MY POWER AMONG THE PEOPLE. I MADE HIM A LEADER AMONG THE NATIONS. YOU WILL COMMAND NATIONS YOU DO NOT KNOW, AND PEOPLES UNKNOWN TO YOU WILL COME RUNNING TO OBEY, BECAUSE I, THE LORD YOUR GOD, THE HOLY ONE OF ISRAEL, HAVE MADE YOU GLORIOUS. SEEK THE LORD WHILE YOU CAN FIND HIM, CALL ON HIM NOW WHILE HE IS NEAR. LET THE WICKED challenge their way, CHANGE THEIR WAYS AND BANISH THE VERY THOUGHT OF DOING WRONG. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out. It always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Well, this scripture from Isaiah, really, when when you stop and think about it, it contains the entire message of the Bible. It is all about God's invitation to salvation. And sadly, it's also about our rejection of his gift. YOU KNOW, GOD HAS PREPARED A FEAST. HE'S CALLING US TO ENJOY A FEAST. IT IS is THE VERY BEST OF GOD. THE FEAST IS A FEAST OF LIFE, ETERNAL LIFE. You know the table is spread with all of the the delights that God has planned. You know he 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 wants to give to us his children his creation. You know it, it is a life of goodness. It is a life of fulfillment. You know, and nothing is lacking. And the best part is it's free. It cannot be bought. You know, even, even by the fact that we have no money, we can come and be satisfied. It is the richest of God's delight. Now, because we are all sinners, because uh, it, it, we, we all fall short, instead of feasting at God's table we have instead been foraging in trash cans, the trash cans of humanity. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, we, we feed on, on the garbage, things like addictions and smut, pride, hate, arrogance, rebellion, deceit, contempt, and all of that kind of garbage. That's, that's what we are drawn to. That's what we, we tend to, to feed on. You know, we don't deserve to be at God's table, but nonetheless, we have been invited, you know, and, and because we don't deserve to be at God's table. God, in essence, pleads with us to understand that, to, to recognize the fact that instead of feasting on the, the good things of God, we instead turn to, to trash cans. You know, he welcomes us, but he's not going to force us. You know, we're free to go wherever we want to go. And, and most of the time we choose to wallow in everything except what God is offering. Now, we would, we would rather eat at a garbage dump than come to God's table. And the problem is is that the trash that we we consume, it it doesn't satisfy and, and and it ultimately leads to death. You know, it has cost us everything. You know, and in spite of that, we we continue to go and continue to feed on 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 the garbage. And, and, and it makes no sense. You know, a, a person should ask themselves, why are we doing this? You know, what is it about the human condition that makes us run from God instead of run to him? You know, what is it that, that makes us live in rebellion even when we know it's going to kill us? Well, Proverbs 14, 12 says there is a way which seems right to a person and it appears straight before them, but at the end, it is the way of death. You know, from the very beginning, sin, the the sin that entangled humanity, the sin that tripped us up more than anything else was the sin of pride. Pride. In in Genesis chapter three, uh, Satan is having his conversation with Eve and Satan says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and that you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced and she saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. Notice this. Who was with her and he ate too. Now, There's several things that that we need to understand. Um, The first one has nothing to do with this sermon, but the reality, did did you notice that when Eve was being lured into the trap, when, when she was being tempted by Satan, Adam is standing right next to her. You know what I think happened? Now, before sin entered in, do you remember, what did Adam and Eve wear in the garden? Nothing. They were in their birthday suits, right? I believe Adam being Adam, he was probably just staring at Eve going, and that's why he wasn't paying attention. You know, if he had been paying attention instead of Googling, uh, you know, at, at, at Eve... It, he would have said, wait, wait a minute, don't do this. This is a mistake. You know, the, the reality is we have always struggled with thinking that we are somehow on the same level with God. And that's the that's the problem that humanity has, is that we think that God somehow answers to us. He doesn't. We answer to God. God. You know, have you ever tried to help a a young child learn to do something like tie their shoes or or some other task like that? You know, they'll sit there, and if you try to help them out or if you try to reach in and show them, they'll go, "No, I want to do it on my own." And and when you let them do it on their own, they end up making a mess of it or or just being really frustrated. Well, the reality is. That we are the same way in our relationship with God. You know, we are not God, and we we are not on the same level with God in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, one of the biggest jokes I think have you ever had, or have you maybe ever said, Well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he did it this way. No, you're not. God is God we're not going to demand anything of god god is the one that judges us and so we need to to understand that when we when we allow ourselves to be prideful before god we're we're going to wind up in a mess. And this is the way this plays out is even though we're sick of the, the problems that we have in our life, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not satisfied with our lives. When we live in a worldly way, we still somehow believe the lie that by trusting God, we're going to be deprived of something that, that is too awesome to miss out. You know, we have greater confidence in our ability to meet our own needs than we do having faith in God. You know, we are wrong in that we trust ourselves rather than trusting God. You know, God's not trying to invite us to something that's garbage. He's trying to give us the very best. Jesus used a similar example to that of Isaiah in the book of Luke, chapter 14, says a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. You know, everybody has an excuse, but they're lame excuses. In another place, Jesus in Matthew 22, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Can you imagine You know, let's stop and realize God is reaching out to us in love. And yet we come up with excuses why we can't engage in the banquet that God is offering us. You know, God's calling us to the greatest love ever known. And we don't want to come. We don't don't want to allow ourselves that. You know, Jesus At the end of the parable in Matthew 22, Jesus said, many are called, but only a few are chosen. You know, do you realize what that is saying? God has invited everyone to come and accept his gift of salvation and to accept the the joy of fellowship with him. There's what somewhere just a little, a little less than 8 billion people on the planet. Every single person has an invite to come to God to, to accept his gift of salvation. But this says only a few, only a few will accept it. Only a few people out of all the people are going to wind up in heaven How do you know where where you're going to wind up? People who live a life devoted to God. Not everybody gets to go to heaven. You know, that that is a sad reality. And my question for you this morning is, will you be one of them? You know, the Bible warns us in Ephesians 5, Be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. This gets us to our purpose, understanding that every one of us are going to stand before God and give an account of how we lived our lives. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says everyone must die once and after that be judged by God. Our life purpose can never be discovered apart from God. And it can't be lived except in the context of a relationship with God. That is the only way. Because God is God, everything revolves around God. It is never, ever, ever, ever about us. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that even when God sent Jesus to die on a cross for us, it wasn't just so that we get to go to heaven. It is so that we live a life of service to him. And when you go to heaven, you will spend eternity worshiping God. It's about God. So there's three important questions that I want us to kind of look at this morning. You know, the the first one is, what does God want from me? (laughs) He wants everything. He wants your complete commitment. You know, it, it amazes me that people think that the only thing that matters is getting saved. You know, they, they want to be forgiven and believe that they're going to heaven, but they have no real interest in repenting from sin or, or living for God or following the faith or, or getting to know God in a real way. They want heaven, but they don't want obedience. You know, you can't do it that way. They want Jesus as their Savior, but they don't want Him as Lord. I'm here to tell you it does not work that way. You cannot live like hell and expect to go to heaven. You know, and we need to hear this. You know, you can't be. 50% Christian or 70% Christian or 90% Christian, you need to be 100% following Jesus Christ. And anything less than 100, you might as well not bother. You know, you have to give it your all. If you come to God while holding something back, you might as well not bother. You know, um, Jesus said that You know, if you aren't willing to to basically forsake everything you are to follow him, then you can't. You know, I hate to to say this, but hell is going to be full of good Southern Baptists. I mean, there are going to be a ton of them there. And the reason I say that is because instead of giving their life over to Christ, they, they loved their pride, they loved their arrogance, they loved their mean spirit, they they loved their, their worldly attitudes. Uh, they, they loved being backbiters and, and love having a sharp tongue. You know, they 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 loved being hateful toward people that were actually trying to do God's work. And when they hear a message like this, when they're, they're sitting there thinking to themselves, well, he can't be talking about me. Yeah, you're exactly who I'm talking about. The Bible says, don't let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Instead, give yourself completely to God since you have been given a new life. And as you use your whole body as a tool to, um, to do what is right for the glory of God, this includes your mind. So when you're having those hateful thoughts when you're when you're thinking those mean thoughts you know what this is using your body for wickedness when you speak those thoughts when you rip someone up and down the, the, you know with, with your tongue that's using your body for wickedness and it's saying don't do that You know, people think, well, as long as I'm not committing one of the big sins, I'm okay. There is no such thing as a big sin. All sin is big sin. C.S. Lewis said, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. Rick Warren said it this way: "If Christianity is really true, then it deserves everything you've got. If it's not true, you shouldn't be here right now. It is either all or nothing. It's either true and that you and that should de- determine the rest of your life, or you should chuck it and just do whatever you want to do. You know, it's it's ridiculous for us to think that, well, as long as I'm kind of more or less, you know, headed in the right direction. Uh, No, that does not work. You know, people want to live with one foot in the world so that they won't miss out on anything. But at the same time, they're wanting to to say, well, God, I I want to make sure I'm in good with you because I want to go to heaven. That is a wrong mindset. It is a sinful mindset. Deuteronomy 10 says, this is what the Lord your God wants you to do. Respect the Lord and do what He has told you to do. Love Him. Serve the Lord your God with your whole being. You know, we often say, well, well, God, I, I, you know, I I really want to serve you, but I am just so busy. You know, as soon as I get this out of the way, I'll be free to serve you. Or I I, I'm so busy with the kids activities. I, I really just don't have time right now. This has happened with Jesus and and Jesus called a couple of different men and he said, Come and follow me. And they said, Well, you know, first I, I need to take care of this. And and the other one, oh, well, first I need to take care of that. You know what Jesus' answer to them was? Then don't bother. I, I don't want you. Uh Luke 9, 62, anyone who starts plowing and keeps looking back isn't worth a thing to God's kingdom. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'll follow Christ after I'm retired, when I I have more free time. You know, let me tell you again, you will never follow Christ if you're not willing to do it right now. Jesus said no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Jesus isn't trying to make you feed on garbage. You know, he's offering a relationship with holy God. He's offering us the privilege of not just personal relationship, but intimate service, intimate connection with God. He he can give us absolute wonder, and yet we choose garbage. You know, the Apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians 3. Everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. The real word there is manure. They tried to clean it up, and I took us back to not being clean. It's manure. Everything is manure compared to gaining Christ. Proverbs 3, 6 says, "...in everything you do, put God first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success." You know, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is that your life is focused on living for Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul made tents for a living, but that wasn't his focus. His focus was living for Jesus Christ. You know, give yourself 100% to the service of Jesus Christ. You know, if you have been sitting on the fence, repent immediately, commit your life to Christ. In Ephesians four, it says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Well, how does one do this? How do we live with a single focus on Christ? Well, in one word, it's called discipline. You know, what does it take? Discipline. You know, it, it, one of the great misconceptions of Christianity is that God does everything. Now, Certainly that is true when it comes to our salvation. We do nothing to be saved. God did all of it. All we have to do is accept by faith what Jesus accomplished On the cross, we commit our life to Christ. But once we have done that, God owns us. We belong to Him. You know, all throughout the New Testament, the different disciples referred to themselves as slaves of Jesus Christ and so you're exchanging eternity separated from god and what he's giving you is an intimate relationship with himself and that intimate relationship will last forever you know we we are to live for christ uh, ephesians 4:23 says instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You know, if if your love for God is going to be more than just kind of a a wish, then you're going to have to discipline your life. You're going to have to say, I am giving up some of this stuff so that I can make time for my relationship with God. I am making time so that he is first in my life. I'm, I'm taking things and doing away with them so that there's no competition with God. You know, Proverbs 10:17 says, whoever practices discipline is on the way to life. You know, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ without discipline. You know, uh, the, uh, again, First uh, Timothy 4, 7, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You know, now we don't naturally like to discipline ourselves. You know, again, in our human nature, we are, we want to be lazy. We want to kind of lay back. But the Bible is saying we must, we must submit ourselves to discipline. Hebrews 12 says, we don't enjoy being disciplined. It is painful at the time, but later after we have learned from it, we have peace because we start living in the right way. Discipline is one of the evidences that God is alive in our lives Remember the, the fruit of the spirit found in Galatians five, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control is another way of saying discipline. You learn to structure your life and you begin to walk with Christ and you begin to submit to his authority in your life and you begin to do the things that he says you're to do and you begin to not do the things he says don't do and you discipline your life to that. And over time, you take on more and more and more of the presence of God. You begin to look more and act more like Jesus that's the process. You know, some people here are really disciplined about their physical health. You know, they're very careful to maintain what they're eating and, and their whole exercise re, re, regime. They're, you know, they're they're going to the gym and they're running and they're doing all of that stuff. Guess what? You're still gonna get old and you're still gonna die. I, I'm just saying. But if you discipline yourself to the spiritual, then your spirit is going to be more Christ-like. You are going to become more and more Christ-like. And that's something that is going to last into eternity. Now, again, 1 Timothy 4:8, physical training is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You know, and there are also, also people that are very disciplined about their finances. You know, they're they're really on top of their career. You know, they they've got it all figured out. And and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but Understand that spiritual discipline prepares you to be better at life. When you are committed to spiritually disciplining yourself, then you're going to become a better business person. You're going to become a better money manager. Everything about you will be improved because everything God does toward us, in us, through us, is good. It is right. It is perfect. You know, remember the story of Mary and Martha you know they're they're in the there, Jesus has come for dinner and Martha's busy in the kitchen. She's doing all of this stuff to get a feast ready and, and you know, think about preparation for Thanksgiving or something like that. You know, you're busy and you, you got all of this stuff. And and Mary is just sitting there listening to Jesus. And the more she's listening, the more frustrated and angry Martha is getting until finally she blows up and she comes in and she says, Jesus, make Mary get in here and help me. I'm I'm doing all of the work. Yeah. And instead of Jesus saying, oh, yeah, you're right. My my bad. Here, let us all come in and help you. Jesus says, Martha, you're, you're getting all worked up over nothing. Only one thing matters. One thing is important. Mary has made the right choice and it will never be taken away from her. Now, I don't know who the cook is in your, your home, but whoever the cook is in your home, What I recommend you do is when you're supposed to be fixing supper, go have your quiet time and see how that goes with everybody. I just it's an experiment. We'll try. In Psalm 39, it says 39, it says all of our busy rushing ends in nothing. That ought to go on our dashboards of our car because that's all we're about is being busy and it's going to end in nothing. You know, a hundred years from now, no one's going to care. You know, just reality, you know, and, and I want to bring up something here. You know, God is moving in our church. There's, there's some good things that God is, is wanting to do with us. I don't want for you to be sitting on the sidelines You know, watching it happen and or or even worse yet, I I don't want you standing in the way of what God is wanting to do where somehow you become opposed to what God is trying to do in our midst because, well, we never did it that way before or because, well, I don't like that song. I wish we were singing this song or or whatever else is is going on. You know, don't stand in the way of what God is, is moving to do. And then lastly, why should we commit our life to Christ? Because of the cross. Jesus gave his everything for you and he is God. He expects everything from you in return. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, the Bible says Christ's love controls us. So we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. DO YOU UNDERSTAND WHAT IT'S SAYING? HE DIED FOR EVERYONE, BUT ONLY THOSE WHO RECEIVE HIS NEW LIFE, THEY NO LONGER LIVE FOR THEMSELVES. WE AREN'T TO LIVE FOR OURSELVES, WE ARE TO LIVE FOR CHRIST. IN ROMANS 12:1, WE SEE HOW THAT LOOKS. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, what is it he did? He died on a cross so that you would be saved. It is, is it too much to ask? Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what is what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. We are to give our entire being, everything that we are, all that you represent needs to be turned over to God because of what he did for you on the cross. He gave you the means of salvation that you could not have had otherwise. You know, he came to us while we were sinners. We weren't even looking for help. And, and he didn't, pull us away, but He drew us to Himself. You know, this is the kind of God that we, we serve. James 4.8 says, come near to God and He will come near to you. Now, one last thought, and I, I will close. The book of Ecclesiastes is is quite a read. I, I encourage you, it's only 12 chapters long. Sit down and read the book of Ecclesiastes. In there, Solomon basically undertakes a project where he seeks to find what is of what is value in life, what is of purpose in life. And he tries everything. You know, he, he tries taking on building projects, and he takes on gardening. He takes on sex. I mean, he does everything just to explore where, you know, where the joy is, what's the fulfillment of this, what matters most. And after he goes through the whole process, he comes to the conclusion. The last verse of the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, everything you were taught can be put into a few words, respect and obey God. That is what life is all about. There is nothing else. You know, you can pursue the garbage of the world. You can pursue trying to fill your life up with self-acclaim or, you know, climbing Mount Everest or doing whatever so that you can say, yeah, look at what I did. But in the end, it's empty. It's meaningless. It has no value. The only thing that is going to last forever is your devotion to God. And I hope that this morning you will make that decision that no longer will you pursue your own agenda. From this moment forward, you will pursue God and God alone. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this gift that you have given us, the gift of salvation. And because of the gift of salvation, we can know you personally, intimately, closely, And father, my prayer is that you will help each person in this room to understand that you will help each person in this room to, to recognize not just their need for you, but the value of knowing you, you are God and you have invited us into a personal relationship. Father, help each of us to fully understand and fully appreciate that, that fantastic gift And thank you, Lord. Thank you that here we are just a week from from Easter where we celebrated the fact that Jesus, you rose from the dead, making everything possible. Thank you. And I just pray now for everybody that is a part of this service, those here in the room and those, those who are watching online. And I just ask, Father, that you draw them to yourself, that you give them clarity and understanding. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.